Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. Here we go on action. Oh, we're still on accents. Yeah, that's that's my Irish accent. My lad, laddie, we're all at Scottish. I don't, it, I don't know what, maybe it's Welsh, but we got a great day where, um, we're going to talk about some coaching news in the NHL because it looks like Mike Babcock is no longer an NHL head coach again. Just the most unaware man on the planet, I think. Yeah. When, when you have a reputation like that, that precedes you and you're, you're already on a last chance. How do you do something as dumb as I'm sure everybody listening knows that he made the players give up their phones so he can go through their camera roll. Right. Cause he wanted to put pictures on the walls in his office. Now he's closer to his team. He knows the family. That's that's horse. That's horseshit. That's total horseshit. Well, you know what it is. This is an explanation. This is what the player said too. That that was the rationale for it. He thinks he's the smartest man in the room, and he's going to reinvent the wheel. Right. right? He's going to reinvent coaching and everything. New strategy. He just doesn't think through. Uh, it thinks if he's doing it. I mean, the stuff he did in Toronto with Arner, uh, Franzen in Detroit. Like I really believe that he felt like that's what he was supposed to be doing as a coach. Bullying. He bullied Franzen into like some PTSD. He had he had some psychological issues he was dealing with after that. Like what's yeah. what's the point? Well, and in Martyr's case too, he had him uh, analyze each player on his level of compete level and rank all the players. And then he, uh, so Martyr did that. This is the head coach. Martyr's your young guy. Then takes it discloses it to the team. That's what he thinks of you. Yeah, that's just well. You said Herb Brooks did that stuff, but maybe Babcock is would have worked better in a different era. I mean, I don't think Herb would berate players like that. I mean, uh, and he also knew which guys could take it. I mean, that, that's the big thing with Herb. He really understood the personalities. Like with me, the stuff he said to me, like, leave off and get the puck in something. Right. I didn't know at the time, but he felt I was a tough enough guy mentally to, to handle that. But, but he scratched Rodgers in the playoffs. He scratched Greshner. He, yeah. He did some Dave Maloney scratched. Yeah. Well, you can look at, you look at it a couple of ways, right? Either he's uh, brave enough to do something maybe other coaches wouldn't do with veteran players like that. Or he's a little bit vindictive too. I don't know. I mean, I mean no offense to Miko Lennon and Larry Patey, but you have Mike Rogers, a hundred point scorer, scratched in a, in yeah. a pivotal game yeah. for you know two defensive forwards. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard for me because I Herb and I got a lot great. Yeah. And he treated me fantastic, but I see all the other stuff, other players that he didn't treat so great. Uh, but but going back to Babcock too, it's just yeah. uh, when I was in uh, when I was in age you, for twenty two years, right? Twenty two years. Yes, he was coaching in Moose Jaw. And I had a couple of brothers that were playing for Moose Jaw. They were high draft picks. Actually, Ryan Smith was the first overall, uh, no, excuse me, sixth overall pick of the draft, his draft. Oh, you were Ryan Smith's agent? Yeah. Okay. I had his brother, Kevin, before that. He was uh, like a fourth round pick of Hartford. He, he played in the NHL, right? Yep. Got it for a little bit. Um, I, I was there. I know I tried to, you know, you go there as an agent, although it's a small, small farming yep. town, but I have a suit on. I, I'm 
representing my staff, right. right? My brand and all that. So on look at so it's after the game that there's really nothing going on. There's no it wasn't there to talk to Babcock to uh to reprimand him for something to the coaches or the players or anything. And uh, I walk into his office after the game, tiny little office at the bottom of this old building, and we start talking. And all of a sudden, he turns, "Who do you think you are walking in here with that suit on?" And <laughs> is he is he chirping you or is he pissed? I, I I don't know where it came from. It's like all of a sudden the switch went off, and he wanted to say something to get me going. And of course, I'm an, I can't fight him. Like right, right. he probably could at that time. But. Well, yeah, but I'm thinking, okay, that's great. My reputation right. as I'm fighting the coach. There goes your business. Yeah. So uh, so he didn't do it. I see the stuff that he's done in the past and it's like, he wants to be this certain kind of guy. Like he wants to be the mad scientist. It's always think like these picture things that he had going like uh, nobody does that. Like that's no, it, it shows you the power of podcasting, hockey podcasting that Biz was able to call him out. And you know, after they did the statements and then Boone Jenner came out and I think Johnny Gaudreau came out, right. And they, those are the leaders and they said, you know, it's okay. It's fine. But the young guys were like, no, that's not okay. And again, you're right with Boone Jenner and Gaudreau. I mean that at that time, as their coach, so they're going out saying things against him. He's still coaching. Exactly. I think they have to say what they said, but uh, but quietly, the guys are texting business yeah. saying, "Look, this guy's." Nuts. It's just it's just weird. Like just the, the whole idea that you think that's really a good idea. Take the pictures of the guy's phones, family members' pictures. Like, how do you know what other pictures are in there that they don't watch? Really bad judgment. Yeah, so it's just that again, he just uh, he, he, I, probably the most unaware man on the planet. It's just he just doesn't get what he, his reputation is. And again, we talked about this before the show. Um, the reputation that he built with the other incidents like Martyr and many more and Franz and all these guys, um, you know, he, he, there's a target on him. So like it's, you should have yeah. known that you can't. And I feel bad. You know, John Davidson is a great friend and former teammate. He's the president there at Columbus. And I'm sure when they hired him, I was kind of like at first a little shocked that they had hired him. Uh, but then we had Hitchcock on a show and they're good friends. I mean, yep. but, Hitch said he thinks he's really reformed. He's going to make a great coach. He's changed, you know, changed his outlook. And I, maybe he didn't. Well, you know what though? I do think he made an attempt to change. Like his attempt to go from a guy that was berating players, you know, doing the stuff he did to France and Florida, to now switch and go, I'm going to be this family guy now. I'm going to be close to the families. But I, do you think that's what it really was? Well, I think it was a plan thing. I don't I don't think it's hard. He really wanted to do that. He, I think he's saying to himself, okay, I need to show people that I've changed. And here's how I'm going to show this. So why wouldn't you say, send me a best picture of you and your family and we'll put it on the up, up in the office. And just not let me go through your farm. I don't think I don't think he was uh, he was oblivious. I think there was intent in there for sure. Well, so okay, you can imagine the conversation he's having with the players now, right? He hit his mind. He's thinking, oh, they're going to they're going to have this new softer guy now because I'm going. I don't to. think so. I think they're saying, "What do you go? look if?" You know, well, but, but in his mind, he's thinking. Then he's a, then he's something's not a very smart person yeah. because I, I have teenage daughters. If I grab their phone, it's like I violated their yeah. their civil rights. They're like. The phones that, that we pay for, they're, they're like, don't you dare look through my phone. You know, so he's a grown man, but they're 22, 23 year olds, right. they're young guys. You know, they're, I, I don't, I don't understand how you, how you think that's a good move on any level. That's, but that's the thing. Babcock, he was thinking it was a good thing. Obviously, I'm with you 100%. Well, like he, he had, I saw an interview with him one time and he was doing this when he was in Detroit. He said that for, I don't know when it started, I think it was when he started coaching pro, he would keep a log of every practice drill. Uh, and he'd have it, he was so proud of it. He had to show the cameraman and everything that I've got. Right. I think in his mind, he, again, he wants to separate himself from everybody else thinking he's this brilliant guy. And he wants to stand up with the Red Wings who were stacked. Yeah, totally. Right. And I, and listen, I was never really sold that he's that good of a coach. Kenny, Kenny Hall and the general manager, they hopefully we're going to have him on the show. I yes, think he's yeah. the one that was responsible for it. He brought those players he in. put that team together. Yeah, sure. And the Illich families that owned to, they owned the team, they had that reputation that people wanted to go play yep. them. And I told you the story about Dallas Drake, who I represented. He never fired me. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a rare one. 
And uh, he was in St. Louis, had been the captain. They bought him out at the end of his contract. And he said to me, I'll careful with my language here, but he said to me, uh, and he used different words, but he said, get me to Detroit and don't F it up. Because <laughs> that was the reputation. He wanted to have one more year in Detroit. And did you? Yes. Oh, there you go. It's funny because yeah, the minimum salary, I think at that time was like $500,000. So Kenny Hall, the general manager, Jim Neal is the assistant general manager. He's in Detroit now. So Kenny says, we're giving you 500. That's it. You just get them in. So I said to Jim, I said, can you give me just 550 so I can pay for my fee? Yeah. Right. It looks like I'm doing nothing. And I called Kenny up. I said, I got Jim to do 550. And you knew Kenny from college, right? Uh, no. Uh, so oh. Kenny, yeah, I had just started in the agent business and I'd moved to Detroit. Uh, he had just, I think he just retired. He was a goaltender in right. the organization and was just, was scouting at the time. And uh, so I knew him. They, they drafted, well, they da- drafted Dallas Drake uh, already. And I think Ken played a big role in that. They had Joe Frederick, another player in the Michigan okay. that I had as a client. So I really got to know Kenny while I'm living in the area, going for lunch together. Really. Yeah, well, most people we've had on the show have nothing but good things to say about the Liches and, of course, Ken Holliday. Everybody loves him. Don Murdoch talked about how he, he works for him as a scout. Yeah. Everything. And everybody's had good things to say about him. Just so. a funny guy. Like He's done so well and just making a ton of money. There. Like, really, I think he was thinking to retire when the, uh, Steve Eisenman came from right. Tampa, took his job, basically. But he knew it was over, anyways. But then I think Emmett that came off with so much money. Hit no, good for him. That's that's great. And to, you know, good guys do do uh, yeah. really well. But I think we we spoke about this before. But that that whole that old school coaching yeah. model is done, right? It's I mean, it doesn't work anymore. I don't think it, it worked. And people say, well, geez, coaches won like Mike Keenan won cups, but he was still a good coach, and he had and he won a cup, cup, one cup. Yes, and, and that's the thing. The other stuff they were doing was just totally unnecessary. The, the, right. To call Mitch Martyr and do what he did, the yep. Babcock there, it didn't help the team win at all. Yep. And people say, well, geez, they went well. Again, I, I remember times uh, seeing interviews with Babcock, they wouldn't have a good penalty kill. And uh, Babcock would say, well, I just don't know how to fix a penalty kill. That's your job, guys. I mean, I'm thinking penalty, penalty kill isn't that big of a thing. It's it's a work ethic. It's right. four people working together. So when I hear him say he didn't know how to fix it. I was like, really? Yeah, yeah you're the coach. It's your job. But you know, we had Hitch on who was kind of in that mold that he said he had a lot of regrets saying, yeah. I wish I, you know, I would thank my players for their sacrifice. I would yeah. you know. Just show, show them, I think he used the term appreciate them. Yes. That yes. Anymore. Yeah. And, and that was it. Too. Now I'm hoping he was saying that because he really felt that. Uh, I think he definitely yeah, did. I, I got the sense he did too. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, he, like he even touched on it too. He admitted that you get wrapped up as a coach at the winning all the time. Right. right. That's your job. You get paid to win. So you think you're doing all these things that you have to do to win and you're not stepping back and seeing the yep. bigger picture. Right. And I think you mentioned Herb Brooks. I think back. I I do think he really stepped back and appreciated that. You know, he wanted to win. Although there's, he did criticize her. His father. I told you the story. His father had passed away. He left the team for a couple of days and came back. And uh, I never forget. We were in St. Louis having a pregame meeting in the morning. He started talking about how he's in the church and there's a stained glass window with all the pieces all. Different. Yeah, the light coming yeah. through and colors. And how it all came together to make one big window. And he thought about style as there you go. Uh, so some of the guys were thinking, wow, that's really great. He's really dedicated. That is. Other people would say, you're at your father's funeral. <laughs> like, Why are you thinking about hockey? Oh, that's a really good fan. Yeah. Jesus, I didn't, I yeah. lost right over that. Yeah, I know. And uh, so it's it was like Craig Patrick. We'll get him on the show too. Uh, he, he would, her was such a, or Craig was such an emotional guy when he was a general manager here with the Rangers. So things weren't going well. He would come into meetings sometimes and he'd start crying because yeah. he cared about the team so much. Now, some people, they, they get two different views. Some people would say, wow, he really cares about the team a lot. Others should go, go up. Yeah. Well, there's, there's, yeah, there's definitely two ways to look at that. But also Craig Patrick would bring in like yoga instructors yeah. and stretching. He was ahead of his time with that stuff, with that whole, well, you know, mindfulness. Yeah, he was. And we thought, 
of course, we as mud head hockey players thought he was just crazy too. Right. right. He brought in. He brought in. Did I hear yes, you told the story. You're not telling. Yeah, we we heard the story. But the guy's the University of France guy. Yeah, we know about. The, yeah, we know. We heard that story. That was one of the funniest things. Oh man, we'll wrap up because Keenan, you you played against him. You said he was soft. Oh, as a player, he tried out for the K Olympic team when I was trying out for it. Yep. And I don't remember him. Like he just didn't rise. Just a guy. Yeah. yeah. yeah I could see him. Like he was looking for jobs. Like we would walk, let's say he was coaching, especially with the flyers. If we walked out the hallway together, he wouldn't do it. They wouldn't look at you. Yeah. wouldn't acknowledge you because he's too good. But now he's looking for a job and he wants to go to Atlanta. And Don Waddell, my old teammate, is the coach here right. at general manager's time. So now Keen's calling me, wanting to put a good day. Hey, buddy, can you uh, help yeah. me out? Exactly. That's, that's, Could, couldn't give you the time of day. Well, today we're going to have on a coach who was a tough guy, but he has a different approach. He doesn't have that old school approach. He's current coach of the Cincinnati Cyclones, Jason Payne. This is a tough player in minors who fought everybody. And now he's he's behind the helm of the Cyclones. And just a great story, real motivating, great speaker. Yeah, people are going to love to hear this one. All right, laddies. Rory, Tom. Excited today. We have a we have a bad man on the show as a player, and now we have the current coach of the Cincinnati Cyclones. We have Toronto's own Jason Payne. Jason Payne, Tom Laidlaw here. Good to meet you. Finally, I've heard a lot of bad stories about you. <laughs> tough, dude, tough dude. I, I try to do what I can do when I can do it. Yeah, good. Uh, and and again, you grew up in Toronto, right? Yes, that's correct. Downtown Toronto, uh, oh. around St. Clair Bathurst area, and then I eventually moved up to North York uh, as I uh, as I got older. Is your family still back there now? Yeah, my mother's still back there, yeah. Oh, very cool. My father, everyone's back there, but. So people that don't know, I'm from Brampton, so Brampton's just right outside of Toronto, so just going to Toronto all the time. Go to, uh, what's that, yeah, the Expo or whatever, is this Toronto Expo or the Gaty? Exhibition. Exhibition, that's right, yes. Great spot. Do you remember they used to have the uh, corned beef sandwiches I could smell going down there? That's my history of uh, the game. Oh, yeah. Well, what, Jay, one thing, Tom's a hick. Tom's a huge hick. He grew up without a bathroom, so he's uh. We're not really from Toronto. Well, it was on a farm, so we, we had a bathroom. It was just a it was a toilet seat and a bucket underneath, so we take the bucket out, dump it outside. So, yeah, yeah. Tom gets a kick out of that. Yeah. He's not city folk. All right, so, so Jason, you grew up. Uh, we were a pretty good young hockey player when you started right off the bat. Uh, you know what? I was a, I started off as a goalie, and uh, yeah, I was a goalie for most of my uh, life. And then, funny story is, my dad one day told me he's like, uh, you know what? I think you should be a player because there's a better chance to make it as a player. And uh, I was like, uh, okay. Really, he did that because he didn't want to pay for the equipment. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, Move. you know, so I was like, oh, okay. So my first year as a player, I went to I went to camp, uh, a hockey camp at Seneca College. Okay. Um, and I remember I just I borrowed my friend's equipment and I went out and, you know, I just, I liked it. It was fun. And then that year I went to try out for a couple teams, got cut from every one of them. Oh. So at the start of that year, I didn't even play. I was just like playing shinny hockey or going from rink to rink and just, you know, bouncing around until uh, around Christmas time, I went out and was playing shinny hockey again. And uh, a single A team was skating, uh, practicing right after it. And they saw me and they asked me, am I playing hockey anywhere? I'm like, nope. And he goes, oh, okay. You, you want to come practice with us? I'm like, sure. We'll practice with them. And after that, they go, they asked me again. They're like, you're not playing anywhere. I'm like, nope. He goes, do you want to play? I go, yeah. You know, do you want to play for us? I'm like, yeah. So that was my first, uh, I guess, taste that added uh, with the, they were called the Toronto Devils, the single A team. And uh, they played at Scarborough Gardens. And uh, as funny as it is that, that there was, they were such a great team, just a bunch of kids that were just out there to 
worked their butts off and some came from underprivileged areas like down a lot of them came from region park um it, it was it was wild and we won the we won the championship that year and we won the cities that year as well too so but from there this hunger was just always in me i just wanted to go play higher a lot of my friends played higher especially like one of my best friends kevin weeks triple oh, a for a long like for all of his life right. then me seeing him and and some of the other kids that i used to go to school with they were all playing triple a for like obviously him with the red wings and another friend was playing for the nats another friend was playing for uh wexford raiders another friend was playing for the uh, at that time the north york uh civics or which turned into the canadians but i just wanted to play I, you know, it's just, so I wanted to get up there and make that jump. So, um, I mean, this story could go on forever. The amount of the trout that I went to and, uh, got cut from, and, um, I ended up playing for a, another team the following year, a single A team, Gouling Park, but I was actually able to practice with the Hillcrest Summits, uh, with a coach, Greg Aletto was, a, a he, he was, so it's funny, Hillcrest was just down the street from where I live and, uh, down the street from where both Ian and I live actually. And. He allowed me to uh, come up and practice for this team, which was I was very fortunate enough because I mean I wasn't playing for them, but I was allowed to practice with them. So um, it, that gave me the ability to try to get better at my craft and 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 learn and escape with guys at a higher level than me. And the following year, I made the team. Wow! And how old were you, how old were you when you made the switch from just being shinny hockey to going on 13. a team? Thirteen. Wow! See, I think that's a great lesson for a lot of kids out there, right? Because now there's so much pressure on the kids and the parents that they go, "Okay, I want to get them a scholarship. I want to get them to the NHL." So like it's six years old, he's got to be at a certain level. You know, eight years old, he's got to be at another level. That's a great example of uh, you play pro hockey and you didn't really start playing organized hockey until you're 13 years old. So I hope that other kids see that and just don't give up on the dream, right? Yeah, I mean, like like all kids, like I learned to skate when I was like four years old. My mother took me to learn to skate down at St. Mike's Arena. And well, you know, they all, St. Mike's. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they, everyone does it, you know, but again, everyone's, everyone's paths are different. I always tell everybody, uh, everyone has a path, there's a route to, to where you're going to go in hockey. And no one's is the same. Um, yep. If people were to think of the route I took, it, it, it's unorthodox, and there's no way that any chance at hell that I would have, should have been able to get where I did going that route. Right. And, uh, you know, when people tell me, I said I want to go to AAA or AA, they tell me, no, I can't go AA. I made the AA team. You know, when I told them I want to go AAA, the same guy, some people still tell me the same thing. I can't play AAA. You can't skate at that level. Well, the same thing happened. I Halfway through the year, I ended up playing for Wexford Raiders. You know, and, and then and the year after that, I ended up playing with the Mississauga Senators. And it just goes on from there. You know, my first OHL camp was Owen Sound Platers. Um, oh. yeah, I went there with uh, with Kevin Weeks. Were you drafted by Owen Sound? No, I wasn't oh. drafted at all. Wow. I wasn't drafted at all. So I went in there and, listen, the scoring wasn't my forte, man. I had to go in there and I had to beat the, beat the wheels off of people. That's all I could do. So. Oh. So you knew that already at that age. So when you first go to Owen Sound, what are you, 16, 15 years old? 16? 16. Just 16. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Owen Sound's a little bit different than Toronto. So people don't know Owen a tiny little town. You know, Toronto's like a big city, obviously, right? So Yeah. Yeah. So now, it was a definite eye-opener. So we talked about this before the show. Any uh, racism, did you have to face racism when you were coming up as a kid? Oh, yeah. All the time. I mean, it's, oh. it's nothing. It's To me, it was nothing new. I mean, one of my one account I do remember was I was playing – Single A hockey, we're playing a tournament, and we're being this team. And I guess at that level, I guess I my, I got better at it. I got better at my game. So <clears throat> a kid had, had had called me the N word. Well, I didn't hear it, but my whole team did. Oh, and they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god, he called you." I called. I'm like, "Okay, I didn't hear it, but okay, it's weird. Why would he call me that? Like, yeah. is he is he crazy?" <laughs> and so 
So, so like, at this point now, you're a tough guy still, right? Like you're, you're fu- well, learning to fight. This is the, the infancy of my tough guy stages, I guess, okay. if you want to go that way. Right. Right. So, um, it's, it's funny because the game was over and they, they pointed it out, the kid out to me. And I, I, I wanted to confront him and ask him. And it's so weird the way we got, it's, it's almost like it was meant to happen. Like we got off the ice on this side. They got off the ice on this side. But their dressing room was over there. Ours was over there. Oh, so okay. they look across each other in the hallway. And I was like, "You just, you know, what I mean, it never happened." Yeah, you're looking for trouble right then. Yeah, right. So, so it did, and then I saw, and then I, they're like, "There he is! There he is!" They pointed him out. So I kind of pushed him into where the doorway was, and I cornered him. And I'm going, "What did you call me?" And he kind of stared at me. I said, "What did you call me?" And I was just kind of looking at him with a blank stare. And then, <laughs> my my brother came to this game, which is one of the one of the games that he came to right. and he was literally standing in the stands above and he was looking down and all I could hear him was like, kill him. <laughs> oh, it said kill him. <laughs> There's one that's crazy to go, right? He could either say, don't do it or kill. Yeah. So it is. Oh, and I just saw it sort of teeing off on him. So, oh, did him. That's where, yeah, that's where that started. They broke it up and stuff, but then, but that's where that started. And, uh, I mean, I went to Buffalo for a tournament one time and, uh, my mother was in the stands and she was like losing it because some, someone said, because uh, I guess I was at that time I'm one of the more dominant players at our level. And uh, even though it was a lower level, but still, right? And they, I guess somebody said something and my mother snapped in the stands and was like, was going to go after them. And like, I was like, oof, it's going to get ugly. Yeah, mother sticking up for the sons, right? I mean, it, uh... Can mom throw too? Oh, yeah, she, she, she's not shy. <laughs> You know, it's kind of, I, I don't mean it's not towards you, but it's its really kind of disappointing when I asked you the question. It, it was just like, oh, yeah. I, I just didn't realize maybe this is my own naive uh, mind. I didn't believe it was that much. I just, like growing up in Canada, for me, we grew up in the farm. I just, the, the prejudice wasn't, uh, maybe I forgot. I just don't ever think in that way. There was other black kids in our school. We didn't treat them any differently or call them any names. It was just kind of like, there's people, so. Something. Yeah, you know, I, and and I, I I see it too. I, I mean, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of white friends. I have a lot of friends everywhere, and I've made them because of the person who I am. I, you know, I don't let that that ignorant stuff get to me. And as a, as a, as a young individual, that's it's tough because a lot of kids that today they don't know how to handle it. Yeah, you know, they they watch social media and they watch this, they watch this, and they think, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna handle it this way, and I'm gonna deal with this way. No one's gonna talk to me like this. And it's unfortunately a lot of things that we have in society, uh, you know, fuel that, feed into that. Yeah, we hear these kids when I was coaching minor hockey and and the kids are coming in playing all this music with, you know, the, the N-word in it left, right, and center. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. So I said, and I, one day I pulled them all aside and I stopped the music. I said, let me ask you guys a question. I said, I'm going to take you downtown, Fleming Park, Regent Park, one of the places, anyone. And I would drop you right in the hood, right by where all, where all my boys used to hang out and everything, right down there. I want you to start talking to them like that. Would you? Well... <laughs> well, see, that's great for you, right? Because it's, it's an education. For, it's an education for us too, right? When I mean, we've never lived in your shoes, so we need to learn these things. Uh, I had, uh, I was doing it. I was talking. I remember Reggie Leach used to play for the Philadelphia Flyers, so he's native. Um, and I was talking to him, and I really didn't mean to be insulting. I used the word Indian, and he was very good. He stopped me. He says, "Tom, uh, that's I can't remember the terms you use exactly, but that's not not the way we appreciate getting talked to. I'm a native." And it was a great education for me. I respected it so much more. Just like you educated your teammates, that it's just that 
we're, we're just plain stupid sometimes and just not aware. Well, that's what it is. It's just hard to, it's, you have to have those uncomfortable conversations, the difficult conversations. Yeah. And sometimes it's, it's, it's imperative, right? And, but it's how you go about it too. Yeah. You know, like, like how he did it with you and how I did it with the kids. Yep. You know, there's other people that come at you and they come aggressive and they kind of, you know, it's just, you don't, you, the message doesn't get, get, uh, come across. Yeah. It shouldn't have to be your responsibility, but you're smart enough to understand that just, like I said, we're just stupid sometimes. We just don't realize what we're saying. How could be hurtful? All right. So you went up to one sound. Is that where you played your junior hockey? No, I got cut from that team. Oh, okay. Scored a goal and had a fight in camp and they cut me. I was the first one of the first cuts. So I went back to play AAA hockey again. And then after that, I went out to move uh, to Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds camp the following year. Got cut from there. In I, just, the, I was going to ask. Got cut from there. Yeah, I told you it's going to be a long one. Got cut from there. Okay. Um, that year, I also played football. I played football in the previous two years, too. The year, the year before that, from my high school. And the year before that, I was a Toronto All-Star. So I was on the All-Star team for the football. And um, it was it was great playing the All-Star game and everything. But obviously, hockey was my love. So went to Sault Ste. same thing. Got cut from there. Came back, played a little junior with um, St. Mike's. Uh, then after that, I went and played a little bit of football. Bounced around. I went to training camps here, training camps there. I went to, ended up, um, to, to speed the story up, I, I went to training camps out in the, in the WHL in, Spoke, in, the, in uh, sorry, Tri-Cities, Tri-City Americans, uh, Seattle Thunderbirds. Um, I even ended up in the Quebec League with the St. Hyacinth Lasers. I tried out there. Um, yeah, it was, it, 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 hockey took me everywhere and how I finally got my break in the OHL is I was actually, I got back from Seattle, um, after I got released and I played for a team in Toronto called Royal York. So I played about 10 or 11 games at Royal York, had about a hundred penalty minutes, about almost a point a game. And my buddy called me, uh, this Roy Gray, he was, uh, playing with the London Knights and he's, he's like, Hey man, uh. What we we need we need a tough guy to help out our guy up here. And he goes, can you can you get out here? I'm like, sure. I hopped on a Greyhound bus and I flew out to, to London. Wow. My mother didn't drive, right? So that so everywhere I went was on the bus. Oh wow! So all your youth hockey, you were taking the bus. I'm taking the bus, or I had to hop rides from people on the team. And like I said, the odd time my dad would come and take me, and uh, but that was rare, right? So Jason, this whole time, sorry to interrupt you. This whole time though, are you dreaming about playing in the National Hockey League? Oh yeah, I'm dreaming. About, I I want to play. Oh yeah, I want to play. This, that's all of my focus is right now. I want to play. See, I love that story though, where and I'm, I'm not loving it. Let it happen to you, but the, the way you kept going, right, going to all those tryouts. A lot of kids that go to a tryout, maybe not, you know, cut, get cut from the team. That's it. They're done with it. Yeah. So you you keep going. So you are speaking Tom's language right now because he loves just putting his head down and just not taking no. For, you know, he won't take no for an answer. So you're speaking the language. Oh, I know. I just I look back at the things I've done in my life, and simply for you, obviously. You just, you don't overthink it, right? He said, no, I, I want to play at the NHL. And I did so many, I've told Tom stories. I've done so many stupid things in my life leading up to getting to the NHL. And I never, I never really thought to myself, okay, this is it. You know, it's all, I, I ruined it. I just, yeah, like like you were doing, you just put your head down and keep going, jump on the bus. And, you know, I jumped on the track. I had to jump on the tractor to get there, but okay. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. 
That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You got to London? Got to London. Uh, first game there, I, I, I knocked a guy out and the fans loved me already. And they, they, the arena was called Ice House. And then people, they called it Ice House of Pain. And oh, Ice House. Hey, I thought things were going great there. And the Islanders were, were taking interest in me. Boston took interest in me. Um, my billet who I lived with at the time, really put a monkey wrench on my plan. And what happened was Tuesday night, they called it movie night is when all the players would go out because it was like supposed to be cheap movie night. But but really the players would go to the bar and they would <laughs> and drink and stuff. Well, the funny thing is I don't drink. And I, like, especially then, I I start, I only touched alcohol when I was 23 years old. So I never drank. It was, and all my friends knew that. I never drank, right? So when I, if I went out with the players, like I was just going out looking after some of the kids, you know, looking after some of the guys and, and make sure everybody was okay. And, but majority of the time, like one though, my, my biller would say that, tell him I call the coach and say I was out partying all night. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You mean I was out partying all night? I don't drink. I don't party all night. I got hey. So they came, they gave me a warning. I'm like, all right. So from then I never went out. Right. So the one night, but now how, because I went halfway through the year, I had to transfer schools. So I had to catch up on school. So I ended up uh, staying up one night doing a, a project. And I remember it, like, you know what things are sticking in your mind? Yeah. It's Frankenstein. <laughs> I up all night and I was doing a Frankenstein uh, essay. Or I had to do the handing to, to catch up to where the school, where the class was. Right. I was down in the living room doing it, all done. All of a sudden, I wake up in the morning, go to school, show up to practice. My stall's cleared. I'm like, What's going on? Brags the trainer goes, uh, coach wants to see you. So I go in there and coach tells me, yeah, you're done. I go, what do you mean? He goes, your bill called me, said you were, you're up or you were out all night and then you got in late this morning and did it. Wow. Well, that's so awkward, right? You're living in that house and that person does that. That's bad. Oof. Yeah. Why? So, what happened? What, what caused that? You ever find out? The, the, I think the mother had some, uh, I, and you know what? To be honest with you, I think there was some racial tendency in there. Yeah. The father had MS. They had a daughter and a, a son who I treated like brother and sister. But the mother was the one who, like, she wore the pants in the family. And I don't know, she just didn't like what was going on. Or I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. So, like, she didn't want a blackhead in her house, basically. Like, That's it. Like, it's weird. Who's your coach? Who's your coach? Who's your coach? Mike Fedorko, his name was. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So then, uh, the assistant coach took me in his car. We drove to my house. I packed up all my stuff. I didn't even, I didn't even say anything to them. They like, they don't even arrive, like packed up all my stuff. And then they took me to the Greyhound bus terminal in London and put me on the bus. And then I rode the bus all the way home. Jesus. 
that is so nasty for that woman to do that, right? Because, you know, yeah. kids all over the place, but kids in Canada, like, that is a dream of playing in national hockey. So you're a major junior. The next level up is some level of pro. So to get it, get there after all you went through and then for her to do that, that's like, oof. Yep. So, but you kept going. Kept going. Following year, actually, when I started playing pro in uh, Utica, New York, and it's Colonial League, which is just an absolute meat stick league. <laughs> so, what are you, are you, what, 19 at this point? 19, 20? I just turned 20. Just turned 20. So, 20 years old, you go from really not playing a whole lot of junior hockey because that's the usual progression, right? To, yeah. You get your feet wet in junior hockey, you're comfortable there. Now you go to the pros. And to be a tough guy, too, at 20 years old because <laughs> these are men. I was fighting guys who were 25, 26, 27. 28, 29, like it was, it was, yeah, I was at a, like, but I, whatever, I just, what do I know? I'm just going to go and do what I got to do. So I played in that league. I played for Utica until about Christmas time. And then I left and then went back to the OHL to play in Barrie. So I went back to the OHL. So I went to play for a coach named Bert Templeton. Oh, Bert loves tough guys too. He does, but he's yeah. very old school as they come. Yeah. Yeah. Very old school. Right. So the, the I went in there, they played. Started fighting, did my thing, but nobody wanted to fight me. Right? Not many people wanted to fight me. So sure. um, it, was, it, was, it was such a weird app because we played a game in Peterborough one game, and it was, I remember uh, this guy came out, he came to me, he lined up against me in Peterborough, and he asked me, want to go, want to go? I said, all right, fine. And he goes, we dropped the gloves, and I go, you want to take your buckets off? And he's like, no. So he pulls his bucket right down to his face. I'm like, okay. Now, were you shields at this time? Yeah, half buzz. Okay. Yeah. So I said, okay. So I just cocked back and started teeing off on him and just bust, broke his nose, his blood all over his visor. Down he went. He was leaking all over the ground. I remember kicking my helmet off and I looked at his bench and at their bench and I gave one of those ones. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. So I skated off the ice and then uh, there's a pool of blood where the, he skated off the ice. Get back on the bus that day and we're, uh, we're I forget where we're heading to, setting to somewhere, but. All of a sudden, Bert's sitting in the back of the bus because that's where he sat. The back oh, of the bus. See, that's oh, rare, right? Yeah. It is because usually yeah. coach sit in the front. He sat at the back, in the back pit with his table and his bed. And so the coach sat over, they did this side of him. And he's like, oh, hey, it's about time. It's about time you showed up or something. I'm like, excuse me? What? Like, what the wall? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, my God. And I was an overager, right? So, and then, so, and how that tragic came to an end, one day I show up for practice. Bert's not even there. He's not even there. All of a sudden, the assistant coach comes up and he goes, yeah, Bert's sending you home. What do you mean? There's fucking 10 games left in the season. What do you mean sending me home? He goes, I don't know. He's sending you home. I go, get it. Get the fuck out of here. I go, where's Bert? He just left. I fucking ran out of the arena. Ran out of the arena to go look for him. And there he was getting in his car. I could see him in his car. And I was running out of the parking lot, yelling his name, jumped in his car and sped off. <laughs> I would so Bert definitely goes way back when I was playing junior B hockey, like 1975 or 76, he was coaching the Hamilton Fincals. Yeah. He had a tough team and we got to the all Ontario junior B uh, finals. I was playing for the Bramley Blues and they had a huge brawl and they actually threatened to bomb our bus. Jeez. So we had to pull out of the final series and they won. And then there was a big investigation into violence in hockey because of that series. So that's how Temple goes way back to that point. So but it was it, well. he had to leave like he scared you. So you're going to beat the crap out of him. So, yeah, so that happened there. And then, uh, and again, did that stop me? No, because then the following year, I went back to the Colonial League and I went to play for Flint. I went to play for Robbie Nichols, who was the, in, in my eyes, Robbie was the Jackie Moon of, of huh. yeah, yeah, the GM, the entertainer, the you name it. He had all everything going. And it, it, was, it was fitting that it was in Flint too. 
So yeah. um, uh, the kid was him that year, and uh, you know he he gave me, he, he he I learned a lot about hockey that year, the business side, a lot of everything too. So cool. I think I had about two hundred and twenty something penalty minutes that year, but I was also called up a lot to IHL teams. Okay, so uh, I passed for IHL and the and AHL teams, I should say. So um, that's where a lot of the again you get refuel again you know you start getting that you know those higher levels that are close to the nhl and now you're like oh yeah yeah start fighting you know tough guys again like big guys that are you know going to the nhl some notably guys that are in the nhl um and as the career went on i mean i played in, in the american league i played in the east coast league for a bunch of different teams and uh you know and i almost almost 14 years of that right. where it was where it took me until like wow. 2009 10. did you ever total up your put your penalty minutes in your face um, couldn't do, I don't know how many fights, but Pelimans, I think, altogether, just shy of just shy of three thousand, I guess. You know, it's always interesting too uh, when you're playing. You don't think about this, but uh, I always ask the guys now that were tougher players or fighters. Like, did you enjoy fighting? I did. I mean, it, it early, I didn't, especially in the beginning part. I just loved it. It was just what I just really did. I remember. I remember sometimes getting around this time, or even like this late August. I would I, my friends would look at me, and go, "Look, what's wrong with you?" Goes, I don't know. I just want to feel someone's face on my fifth. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was wild. It was wild. Uh, what were some of the the memorable uh, scraps you had? You got anything come to mind? Ooh, jeez. I fought Dennis Bonvi. I fought Joey Shelley. Um, oh, boys, Mel Angelstad, who was a, who was an absolute killer in the league around hockey for a long time. And I fought numerous times. Um, uh, do do do. Darren Kimball, who was an ex NHL heavy, yep, yeah. um, Rob Raglan, who was another one. Um, I mean, just there's so many. I just, I just, just names that just pop up in your head from time to time. Well, and eventually during the lockout year, I ended up going to uh, during the lockout year, I got bumped down and I ended up going to play in that uh, Quebec League, which was a fighting. Wow, all fighting. That's more of a men's league, right? It's like a beer league. Yeah, it's like yeah. a yeah, but. During the lockout, like we were, I, so I, I played in um, in La Salle, which was, um, uh, oh, sorry, Verdun, excuse me, which was in um, just outside of Montreal, there in, in that suburb. And then they traded me up to Quebec City. So I ended up playing for Quebec City. And then our team there, we had Donald Bashir, a whole bunch of guys on our team there. So, and we would average, like, I don't know, depending on what arena, anywhere from six to 9,000 fans a game. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I tell you right now, you're guaranteed your fights. Like his first first thirty seconds take about twenty minutes to play because there's about about four at least four fights, one after another. Now as as time goes on though, you're not getting tired of the fighting. You're st- still embracing it. That's your job, so you're just doing it. I'm embracing it for sure, but you know it, it, it takes it to where uh, wear and tear on your body. I think it's toll, right? So, um, in that Quebec league, I really learned how they don't really respect it properly because I thought to myself like well, I'm down here fighting, I hurt my shoulder, and they're acting like. Well, well, we're not going to pay you because you show you're hurt. I'm like, excuse me. Yeah. Really brought an eye opener to the whole thing, you know. And um, you got to the point where, okay, well, now I fought enough. I'm going to fight for when I think I I need to. You know what I mean? I but then I just, it was also a lot older now too, right? So you earn that respect around. So, um, but when you're when you're younger, you just somebody breathing you along, we grab. So especially when you've got the reputation too, right? Right. You're like, guys, I really admire that too, because uh, to do it throughout your career, like Marty McSorley, I thought was, uh, I, I just really admired him. When he first started, he could not play. He was awful. But he knew if he was going to stay in the NHL, he would have to fight every night. I made the mistake of fighting one night. And uh, every time we played after that, he'd go, Laidlaw, let's go. Because he knew I would fight. 
you needed somebody to fight with. I finally turned to him and I said, listen, I'm not keeping you in the league anymore. <laughs> but you know what? He worked and made himself a better player. I finally ended up playing uh, with him in L.A. Uh, and even when he made himself a better player, he was on a power play, penalty kill. So oh, yeah. kept, oh, he kept fighting, too. Like, he didn't stop fighting. I really admired it because a lot of times if a guy says, oh, then I don't have to fight anymore. Now I'm a regular player. So Right. Yeah, he he established himself a, a nice career. Yeah, I mean, you're protecting you're protecting the, the great one. I mean, yep. You you do that, you do your job well. You're gonna have a job for a long time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. But again, he they made his made himself player too. So 14 years pro hockey. Uh, why yeah, retired at that point? It got to a point where it's like it was it was just winding down. You just knew, you just knew. It's like you know, no one really wants to fight anymore. I'm not gonna work there and fight these. I'm I'm at that time. I'm not, I'm a 32, right. You know, thirty-two ish around that area, and then you got kids thirty-two, thirty-three, and you got kids out there who were, you know, just coming into league at, at twenty-one, and you know, it's, and, and then the game also gets it got a lot faster too. I mean, I you know I could keep up with everybody, but it got faster to a point where, you, are you, are you going to be viewed at as a person who's going to be in the lineup and being utilized a lot now, or are you just going to are you going to you know fall off to the wayside? Which, again, at that point in time, you could see the the tough guys, the how the demise of the of the tough guy in the sport. Right. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to go out on my turns and not let the game push me out. Cool. And did you know you're going to get into coaching right away? You know what? I, I was, I wanted to get into coaching. Um, I didn't know right away. I was, I was, I was teaching kids. I was developing kids and skills and stuff. And, um, when I got back to Toronto, I actually worked uh, loss prevention at the Bay. So I was doing like security where it's like, you know, I was catching people shoplifting or whatever. And, Associates and and public, right? So and knocking them out. Oh, it's just it was great time. Like one of my one of my best buddies, Blake, and I uh, we I was working with him, and he used to call us Miami Vice, <laughs> crocking. <laughs> so we'd go out there and just catch guys, and I used to I used to enjoy it because it's just it was like it just kept me challenged, right? To to just see and find people, find someone to try to pull a fast one, and just sure and, and sneak around there because we we're just we weren't in uniform, we we're just playing clothes. Oh, okay. And, yeah. So then all of a sudden, you know, they, they do it. We catch them. We, you know, we know the ins and outs of the building. And then we uh, go outside and we just kind of wait and they start walking away. We start walking away slowly behind them. And before they know it, then we just grab them before they go anywhere. It's like, yeah. Right. How, big, how big are you? Uh, six one. Right, right now, six one, about 240. Right. And you kept yourself in pretty good shape. You're jacked. Yeah. I, feel you, I tried. I mean, I haven't been in the gym in a, in a good three months right now, which I, as soon as the season starts, I'm going to get back and start. As 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 I like to say to my friends, like murder the gym because yeah. I, it's that's what holds my body together. Like, yeah, after, yeah, yeah, after all those years, if you, you stop that, the muscles are holding all that part together. And now everything everything that should have hurt is hurting. <laughs> yeah, isn't that true? So you retired thirty two. Uh, you go to work at the bay. How many years did you do that? Uh, just just about a year. <clears throat> and then I got into coaching with uh, with my uh, buddy of mine who I went to. I used to his his parents used to drive me to hockey when I was younger, but. And he was coaching the one team that he was playing for at the uh, my last year. Um, but I went to coach with him, assistant coach with the, the Toronto Junior Canadians Junior team. And with that, I was doing there, and I was also uh, assistant coaching the Triple A team as well too. So now I was like coaching two teams. So I was like, I found that there was the passion is back again. I'm like, you know what? So I quit the Bay. Said I'm out of here. And I went back and I started doing that. And my cousin was like, uh, you know, you're doing all this. I think you should open your do your own hockey school as well too. And I'm like. Yeah, 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 I should. And he kept pushing me to do it because I was also, again, through the years, you talk about Marty getting better at his craft, honing his craft. That's what I did. Like every summer, like I'd leave home and I'd go to Boston 
and training with Paul Vincent. Oh, um, yeah. Paul. yeah. So, uh, you know, because I met, and it's funny, it's funny how I met Paul Vincent is I met him through his son, Paul Vincent Jr. Right. When I went out to the Western Hockey League in Seattle, Paul played for Seattle. So that's where we had first met, and it, we just and we've been friends ever since, and and ended up coming down and spending summers with him there too. So I opened up my my own hockey school, was paying precision skating, and everything I learned I, I, I through him and through uh, Graham Townsend, who again that's why I started doing stuff with when uh, when I got back to Toronto, I, I started I, I pushed into that and had my own my own stuff going. So coaching the minor hockey and coaching junior hockey. I already had a, a hotbed of, of contacts that I just started finding those kids through, and then it just kept going from that point on. And then the, I was coaching AAA and Junior A through the whole, how many years I was down there from, from I guess, 2011, I guess, all the way up to till I left in 2018. What's the goal in coaching? Are you coaching the NHL? I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to coach as high as I can get. Yeah. The OHL, NHL is the level I'd, I'd like to get to. Um, but you, I always find... <clears throat> When you over focus on, on, on everything ahead of you, you don't focus on what's in front of you. Yeah. Right. And I, I want to be the best of where I am. Because when you're the best of where you are, that's when the opportunity comes and you're prepared for the next level. Do you tell the kids you're coaching your, your life story? Oh, I share with them. I share with them. I share with the kids. I share with, that's what you, you want to do. This is my way of connecting with these players. And here's my daughter. Hey, what's going on back there? What's her name? <laughs> Malia. Hi, Malia. She just poked her head up there. Yeah, you just had another baby, right, Jason? Yes, I did. Uh, Myla. She's uh, two weeks old now. Uh, I'll listen to the last hour. So, yeah. Congrats, man. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, like I said, that's why I'm awake still. So Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask you, what does eat mean? <laughs> that's, uh, that's Ian's. Uh, that's Ian's uh, our, we used to watch a TV show called The Wayne's Brothers. And... Uh, the 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 father and stuff when they would do little things they do with they'd see girls or do whatever they'd they'd, they'd say other like eat the tea <laughs> or when you <laughs> when guys get excited and they see a girl and they or they they, they eat themselves like they those are kind of so funny so a mutual friend of all of us Ian Peters is is grew up with with Jason so he uh, yeah. he gave me a few stories but we can't use them on the air yeah. but that's uh-huh. what we get so so do you do any motivational speaking. Uh, you know what? Every day, every day of my life is that. Okay. That's what cool. I thought, you know, and yeah, uh, it's funny cause I did a presentation for the NHL coaches association on, on, uh, you know, developing player for pro hockey. And it was about everything we're talking about now. And how again, you talked about, you know, getting hockey gives you every opportunity you want to quit. It does no doubt about it. And it's, it's, it's the only elite group that can push on passive because they're already gifted at it. Yet the others ever have, everyone has to fight through Everyone has to fight through, and you know, you get cut from a team, you get sent home, you get this. Like, those are all those are all signs to tell you give up, just give up, give up. You know, but it's also testing you to see if you're strong enough to really want to do this. Sure, I think after a while, for you, you're obviously living uh, uh, that life. It's uh, the more you fight through it, that just becomes who you are, right? There's no second thought. Once you get cut from the next team, you say, okay, on to the next team, right? Once you do it, that's it. And where it got cut, okay, was not meant for you then. Well, what's meant for you will be meant for you, and, and, and you'll find it. So, um, you know, but to, to I share this story with the players that are playing for me now. Like, they, they get they get cut or they get sent down from the from the higher level. You know, their dreams are to play in the NHL. Their dreams are to play in the ECHL. You know, or the AHL, not the ECHL. But they're here. So, what do you, what do you do? How do you how do you get them motivated to play? Well, I share my stories that I've been going through. Yeah. Totally. You know, and then, 
so that they understand that I'm human as well too. And I've been through it and I understand, I get it. I sometimes also share other stories outside of hockey. It doesn't have to be a hockey. It can be other ways to connect. Right. So, and then when you, when you connect with them that way, then when you connect with them that way, then it's like you, you they understand you, they believe in you. And here we go. <laughs> That's correct. As a teddy, so here's this big tough guy now. He's got a teddy bear on his chest there from his. That's it. You, know, you, you, you become a, a girl dad, I guess, you know. So there you go. And it's funny because everyone's everyone asks me, like, you look at yourself and everything I did in the day, and, uh, and now I have, I have three daughters. So. Yeah. <laughs> you have to protect them now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Are you living in Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, you have time to go back to Toronto. Yeah, here. Down here with uh, with my wife and stuff. So Very good. Where is she from? She's from uh, Trenton. Oh. Yeah, Trenton, Ontario. So. Oh, Trenton, Ontario. Oh, I thought it was a Jersey girl. Yeah. No, no, no. Trenton, Ontario. We met. Uh, where is it? <laughs> she has we I'm mad at us. We met when I was playing in Kingston. When I was uh, sorry, I was working in Kingston, okay. and um, and it's funny. Our, our mutual friends of ours met. We they they we uh, they took us to meet one night, and it was never thought this would we would come to right. And all of a sudden, here we are. We met in 2013, and here we are still together. Okay. How old are you now? I am 47. Going to be 48 uh, Thursday. Oh, Thursday. Happy birthday. Yeah, John. Very good. good. And uh, and just to talk about the, the Cyclones, Jay had two good, really good years as head coach. Last year, he had 47 wins. But what, what's it look like for you this year? How's, how's the team shaping up? I don't know. I'm pretty excited. I mean, like, yes, you can be excited on paper. Last year, I was like, uh, the first year I inherited the team I did. And um, it was it was crazy because I could only do what I, hold on a second. Okay, <laughs> I, I got to tell everybody, I wish this show was uh, a visual show, too, so you can see his daughter. She's a cute <laughs> Yeah, she's, she's running over this tough guy, for sure. Exactly. She owns him. That's right. Watch the trauma. She's spitting image of me. That's what I, I can't even get my eyes, but that's what's so slow. Um, the, but, uh, this season coming up. Yeah, so the first season I inherited the team that we had because I got the job because um, my good buddy Matt Thomas got promoted to the uh, American League. Uh, with Providence, so I inherited the team we had in like September. Uh, the following year, I put together a team I wanted, and and I was we pre- was uh, happy with the run we had. Uh, this year, similar, you know, we got we a lot of good bodies, but we're having a, we have a lot of good good help from our affiliate as well too, where the New York Rangers, Hartford Wolfpack. So the previous years we were with Buffalo Sabres and Rochester, and uh, and uh, we've now since uh, switched affiliates. So we're now with the uh, New York Rangers and the Hartford Wolfpack. So. Now they're uh, well, smile on Tom's face right there. Yeah, yeah. It's been a great, it's been a great working relationship so far. I'm, I'm excited about what uh, what's in store and uh, with the players that we have returning. So, um, you know, I just, I'm just looking to get better. And uh, I always say this: it's always unfinished business, man. You know, it's always unfinished business. You want to win that championship? Like, let's start with the with the with the working details, the winning habits. You know, good good habits are winning habits. So we want to. Well, knowing you like I have for about the last thirty minutes, uh, I think I know the answer to this question. But do you think? Could you network to get to the National Hockey League, or how do you how do you approach that? You know what, you do a good job where you're at, and people notice. But you also got to be a good person, and when you're a good person, you network. People know who you are. You you meet them. You you establish relationships. And unfortunately, in every walk of life, I mean, it's 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 not what you know. It's more who you know. Yeah. You know, they want to they want to know who you are. Right. You know, and if they get to know you, establish that rapport, that relationship with them. You know, then it's a little easier that they, they think of you right away when when those jobs come available. Right. You know, it's like you want to work with somebody you feel comfortable with. So when you're affiliated with a team like the Hartford Wolf, Wolfpack and the Rangers, uh, do you get to uh, mingle with the like the Chris Drury, who's the general manager of the Rangers? Or you, you, yeah, okay. yeah. So when uh, 
so when this affiliate uh, happened, like every year before we were in Buffalo the whole time, and uh, like Donnie Granado is the head coach of the Sabres. He used to be my old coach. So, oh, okay. uh, so you know, Donnie and I always had a great relationship. And I was, we were always in Buffalo during the rookie camp, some things, main camp, and, and, and so on and so forth, and into Rochester's camp in the American League. And uh, so when we switched into Phillips this year with New York, uh, my owner, uh, Ray Harris, and I flew out to New York. And they picked us up out and and took us out to their uh, practice facility. Oh. We met with them, uh, Ryan Mark, the assistant GM, and uh, eventually Chris Drury walked in. So I was like, it was seeing Chris, and I was like, you know, just shaking each other's hands. And uh, it, was, it was funny when he said it to uh, to me. It was like I said, introduce myself. He goes, goes, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, I've uh, it's finally it's finally great to meet you. I've, I've I've been following your career. You've been you've been doing a great job. Like, wow, that's good. Nice. You know, wow. So, for him to say that, uh, you know, it's 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 good. You know, it just yeah. it means that what you're doing, no matter what, what you're doing, you're doing a good job, and, and you're being recognized. So, sure. you know, just just keep doing what you're doing, and uh, yeah. you know, when when your time will come, it'll come. Yeah, maybe we'll see you behind the bench at the garden in a few years. You know, maybe, maybe a few years down the road. That is that is the key, right? It's like sometimes you don't know what your reputation is until something like that happens, right? With Jersey says that we went through it. The James Patrick, who I played with, uh, had been coached up the Winnipeg Ice. They just sold that team and moved uh, down to the states. The new one. Yeah, that's right. And the new owner wants all U.S. people, so James wasn't brought down with the team. And uh, the good thing that came from the whole thing was that uh, a lot of the GMs in the league were calling him up, wanted to hire him right away, and saying things mm-hmm. like he's the best coach in the league, all those kinds of stuff. And, uh, and again, it's a bad story. They lost his job. But the good yeah. thing was, and the same thing with the UB jury, uh, is that it's now kind of a reinforcement. Yes, I am doing the right thing here. I just got to keep doing what I'm doing, right? That's, that's a, good. You should write a book. Uh, everyone said that, man. Yeah, I had a book. It'd be I don't know. It, it my life story would be something. I think it'd be a great, that's fantastic, a very inspirational. So that's why I asked you about the motivational speaking. I just think your life story, the way you speak about your life, uh, that it's like although some things happened to you on the way, like your billet, it wasn't like you're you, you were bitter about it. it. Didn't seem it's just okay. That's happened. Now I need to move on. It's the wrong thing for her to do, but yeah, you learn. You, you, it's all learning experiences, right? So definitely awesome. Well, listen, I, I'm really glad that we had you on the show. You and your daughter. <laughs> Thank you. Cutie back there. Um, seriously, because your story, I, I, I didn't know each other. We didn't know each other before we got on the show. It's just totally inspirational for me. To, and again, the big thing is it's just not quitting, right? And show other people that. I'm sure your daughters. Yeah. <laughs> so we got this big tough guy here. I wish we had this on. So we'll probably do it. We'll, we'll, we'll use the clips. We'll use the clips. Put her on. We'll say hello if you don't mind. Okay. What's your daughter's name again? Malia. Malia, because that now, and she wants to be in now. She's shy. Punch your daddy right now. Oh, do the girls like hockey? Do they, they are they fans yet, or do they hate hockey? Oh, they love it. They love going to the games. You get a pretty straight nose for a guy that's fought as much as you had. I guess you're beating people up. It's not really much. Anybody during this one? What is it? Getting off curve to a little bit. Oh. Of... Isn't that isn't that funny when you're playing? Like breaking your nose was a cool thing when you were a kid. It was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm secret. Tom Seagrass, he has a really big head, so he absorbed a lot of, lot of, oh. you know, he had a lot of lunch. Oh, he's going. Well, Jason, he'll tell you, if you're going to be a fighter, you're going to lose fights. You're going to get punched. You're going to lose. Well, get, yeah. We'll like, be pretty good friends with Cold Nor and some of his fights that he had. Uh, who was the guy? Matt, was it Matt Carter? Carter, yeah. Carter, yeah. Coach in our league. In the- oh, it's really busy. Uh, yeah. Uh, those two guys, when they got in a fight, somebody was going down, right? It's just, there's no halfway. They're getting knocked out. They went as uh-huh. cool. Well, listen, that's, I mean, that's very seriously. You should be very proud of yourself so as a person, as a uh, guy, as a coach, to now your life story for your daughters growing up to uh, just be around you and the way you're doing things. So very glad you're on the show. Thank you very much for coming here. No, I appreciate it. Thanks so much, man. All right. Thanks, Jay. See you, Malia. <laughs> Bye.
No, I thought we got off pirates and accents. I could work on that. You do. You need some accents. But that was a great interview with Jason Payne, who head coach of the Cincinnati Cyclones. You know, tough guy in the minors. I fire up now. Yeah. Get down, do some push ups. What a light story is. Everybody's got this story and follow him. I hope he gets to the National Hockey League someday. He seems like the kind of guy that will and work hard enough to do what he has to do. Looks like he's on that track. You know, he's, and uh, we learned that the Cyclones are now an affiliate of the Rangers. So yeah. they're the Rangers. I guess if, if Hartford's a triple A team, they're the double A team. Right? Yeah. I guess that, he's just, his perseverance. When you guys hear this story, uh, he, he spoke your language. He, he, uh, he, you know, he, pl- he plowed through and he, he didn't take no for an answer. You love Then he's in the gym all the time. You love that. He was like, it was like, you're like, yes, this is my guy. I was getting fired up. He's talking, he's going on and on in the story. I'm, I'm just grinning. Yeah. yeah. That's great. What a great story though. And yeah. You know, you don't, you mentioned why you said you, you didn't really notice a lot of racism, but you're a white guy. Yeah. So he obviously felt yeah. it growing up. That's a great point where you write that. I, I don't live in his shoes, yeah. right? I don't walk. He walks. Uh, we, we asked him about it and the response, I think would be very interesting. Well, yeah, they, they, well, people just heard how he, he said, like, he caught the one guy in juniors who, you know, called the N-word, and he, he's like, I went off on him. I just got him, and beat, and his, while his brother's up cheering the whole time. I know. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, who, would, who would do that during a game, right? Here's this guy that's getting started as a fighter, a young kid, yep. and they call him that word. You think, why would you, first of all, why would you do it just morally? But then the guy's gonna beat the crap well, our, our mutual friend from, from Toronto, Hockey XP uh, owner Ian Peters, said, he's like, Jay's a bad dude. Like he can throw. Like and he he was like, no, I like fighting. I I dug it. Yeah, grab an acid, right? Because we try to ask the fighters all the time. Because it's interesting. After the game, you ask the fighters, you know, did you enjoy it? No, I hated it. I didn't yeah. want to do it. But I had to do it to play. He goes, nah. <laughs> it was fine with it. No problem. Yeah, funny stuff. He was good. He was fantastic. It was a great show. And maybe we'll see him at MSG one day. All right, laddies. Uh, still on that. All right, grasshoppers. Thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.